With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the latest? Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball It's Life. Devin Newland and Ronnie Flores here with you for episode number 90. 90 episodes in the book. Well, after this one, 90 episodes will be in the book, Ronnie. Um, today we're going to talk a little Giannis Antetokounmpo signing his, uh, you know, Supermax extension with the Bucks. Uh, James Harden's partying habits, LaMelo Ball's NBA debut, and, uh, you know, some rookies to look for this season, along with a look ahead to the best prospects in the 221 NBA draft. Ronnie, let's start with Giannis. He signed a five-year, $228 million Supermax extension with the Bucks. Uh, that's the largest contract in NBA history as far as money goes. Um, so let me ask you first, is this a good or bad move for the two-time MVP if he's looking to win a title? Overall, I would say it's a good move. Um, obviously, the young man has uh, come from, you know, a background where he's worked and grinded and, and clawed his way to be one of the best NBA players. So, you know, for him to get guaranteed money and it for be, I mean, we know Devin, we talked about, it, it's been monopoly money the last few years. It's like, I'm happy for him. And, and we, we kind of mentioned how, where does Kevin Durant lie in the, in the, in the all time great lists and maybe a few other guys, I think even LeBron gets a little bit of that flack. Like, he's going to really earn that title if he gets one, whether than him going to golden state or, you know, joining force, quote unquote, joining forces with some other superstar. I think people are going to be like, wow, look what he's done for the bucks, especially since the bucks haven't really won in a long, long time. You know what I mean? They've been contenders before they've been solid at, t- at times. Obviously I remember the, the team I'm thinking of is that Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson team with George Carl. That's kind of remember, last time they were relevant, like super relevant it's, until he came. So that's quite a while ago. And then obviously the Sydney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson teams that could never get by the Celtics. They were great. They were pretty great. And then obviously you have to go back to when Kareem got drafted and instantly they became a contender and won the championship in his second year. So right. I think that is great for that city. Great for just like kind of his overall um you know, where he's going to, how people are going to view him, you sure. know, I, I, especially if they can win one in the next three to four years, it'd be like, wow, look at this kid where he came from. It's kind of like, as I knew it would happen for LeBron and people remember he was, he was going to Miami and people were like, oh, he was okay. They're going to win a couple titles, which people thought they would win, but he was like, oh, we're going to win five or six. Remember in that, in that goofy concert they had. Yeah. So he ended up winning two, but then he realized the one he got in Cleveland really meant a lot. Right. Like the one he got in Cleveland really meant a lot. And I just think for Giannis to get one in Milwaukee would mean more than one with the Lakers or Golden State. And that's just being honest. No, I feel you. That makes sense. Um, the concern, obviously, you have to take that money. Uh, yeah. And I respect the loyalty and I respect the uh, you know him sticking with that franchise, the one that drafted him, the one that took a chance on him. 
And I just, you just get concerned of, of how to build a team around him in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, long-term what we talked about that in our last pot, yeah. you know, it's not exactly South beach, right? What kind of, what kind of other player or superstar can you draw to Milwaukee to play alongside Giannis? Obviously they made, they made a move to get drew holiday from the Pelicans. They gave up a, a lot of pieces and, and draft picks for that. So I think they're still pretty far away from a title. Um, yeah. Especially with LeBron and AD and the team the Lakers have now, and then Kyrie and and Kevin Durant teaming up in Brooklyn. And Miami has a solid unit as well down in South Beach. Obviously, they're coming off a finals appearance. So you've got to find the right mix of guys to put with Giannis. Um, it's, it's not easy because he's a seven-footer who can handle it and you know seems to be pretty ball dominant so you've got to find somebody who's willing to play that second fiddle but can also be better than a chris middleton you do know what i'm saying like yeah they got somebody that commands defensive respect for sure to a high level like if you look at the guys yeah. look mean, at guys who you think could join right james harden wants out of uh, uh houston can, can james harden and Giannis coexist i, I don't think so um well how fast can harden get to a, a party city that's what i want that's our next topic that's our next topic. What's how fast can how fast can Harding get to where he needs to go? What's the closest party city to Milwaukee? Chicago? Is that a party yeah. city? Yeah, eh, enough. Enough. Yeah. enough. I mean, a party city for James. Yeah, that's probably like tame for James. You know, that's just but, James's uh, thing right now, which we'll get into in a little while. But yeah, you're gonna be right. You gotta build the team, and and to me, what to be honest, the way the team is built, I think they would want to get a little bit of in the mold of how. Dallas uh, built around Dirk. Okay. Their title kind of like a mixture of veterans and maybe kind of uh, unsung players. I just sure. think that's how they're going to win, you know? I think like a JJ Barrera, Barrera type player, a Jason Kidd type player, and a Jason Terry type player. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a nice mix of veterans and young guys to, to go with the superstar. I'm not sure if they're going to win with another superstar there. So with, with Giannis's style of play, right? He's a, uh you know, kind of a, a wing seven footer. Um, but I think the biggest issue with this game is he's not a great shooter. Correct. From the free throw line or the three point line. So th- those things are, are major issues in my opinion, obviously he's a great player, you know, two time MVP defensive player of the year. There's no doubting that, but um, building a championship team around a, a guy like that. And a guy with that skill set is, is difficult. You've like you said, you've got to have the, the veterans. And I think Drew Holiday is probably a good start but you've got to have the veterans. You've got to have the shooting. And I mean, man, you got to have the right coach. I mean, it, it all, it's going to take a lot to win a title in Milwaukee with Giannis as the number one. Sure. Uh, so I can't even like put together a, a roster, a potential roster that makes sense or like, you know, future free agents that makes sense to, to go with him. Yeah, it's you, very difficult at they, this time. You think Maybe they, something will happen by the trade deadline where, you know, teams have to unload something, or, or Milwaukee's making looking to make a move. They obviously made a move, or as you already, or as you said already, with with Drew Holiday. And um, I guess we we talked about that, and I guess that means they're trying to win now. We yeah. don't know exactly the makeup of how they're trying to win, but they're trying to win now for sure. And exactly. that's good. I mean, you know, the the kid's going to be entering his prime here in the next year or two. You know, it, it, even though he's already won two MVPs, which is you know how much better can he get? too, Devin, you know, just the little things. He, like you said, he's going to improve. He's going to get a consistent three-point ball. 
you know, things like that. You know, is he going to become more assertive and just, you know, uh, mentally dominate games? You know, there's a lot of things to that players can get better at. All players, obviously. Yeah. So um, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things because the season started so fast. You know, we kind of talk, mentioned that in, in the last few weeks. It's just, you know, compared to when the Heat and the Lakers played, it just doesn't seem that long ago. So it's going to be less than two months. And uh, you guys are going to have to suck it up. We've already seen some injuries. Um, and there's going to be injuries. I used to think there's going to be some some injuries. That necessarily, you know, it's going to be in a, a torn Achilles necessarily. But there's going to be some guys that are going to come up come up lame it's just the nature of the beast and i think because of the nature of last season how it's broken up and restarted it's just we're gonna see a little bit of that but hey that's what they have guaranteed contracts for and that's you play the game that's why you play the game um you know it, it, it it's gonna be a very interesting season it's gonna be exciting because you know you hopefully we get back to some normalcy but you know it, it, it where do we where do we go from here, Devin? In terms of uh, you think of rookies that do well, or or uh, you know where does Houston go? You know, what is Houston trying to do? I mean, okay, so Harden played in a preseason game. He's been working out. He's gonna play. Where are we at with that? I'm. You ask where we're going. I'm going wherever James Harden's going because I want to be on the private jet. I want to be yeah. going to the strip club, going to party, all that stuff with James. That sounds fun. Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, you think Houston was telling James Harden, hey, like, okay, we'll get you out of here, right? But you have yeah. to play. Like, you have to show that you're healthy or you have to show that, that uh, you know, you're still James Harden. Obviously, we're yeah. not moved from last season. But, again, you never know what happens over the course of, a, of an offseason. Um, I, I would say James didn't look in his best shape last night. Yeah. <laughs> He looked like Carmelo Anthony did with Denver sometimes. People, like, are, people are saying he looks like Kendrick Perkins with the wig on. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it's all interesting timing as far as the story that dropped on ESPN uh, by ESPN's Tim McMahon, who covers you know, the Texas slash Houston area for ESPN. The story is basically does James Harden party too much, and has Houston's culture. Uh, kind of been dominated or been built around what James Harden wants. Um, some of the key points that I took away from the story when I read it, Harden took advantage of, you know, time between games, um, you know, getting a chartered private jet to go party in different cities, whether it was Vegas or LA or, uh, you know, Miami, whatever it may be. Uh, former Rocket staffers are, are coming out and saying, anonymously, of course, saying that the things were overlooked because, James usually came back and dropped a, you know, a 40 point, 50 point triple double and he performed and he put up his stats and, you know, that, that makes sense. Um, Harden's made it clear that, that he's wanted out of Houston, um, you know, since the off season, uh, you know, he didn't report right away to training camp and obviously he played his per first preseason game a couple of days back. Um, so this interesting timing for this to come out, do you think this hurts Harden's trade stock or is he just so good that people will, you know, franchises will overlook that. I think the other franchises are the one that like, I, you know, you're still getting a great player. I don't think it hurts. It doesn't hurt James. I guess it would hurt Houston, right? Cause they're trying to get as many assets back. Sure. They have to try to move them. It's not so going to hurt James. Houston just shot himself in the foot. Yeah. Houston's, 
you know, to make issues of this now is is going to hurt Houston. Uh, they're going to have less and less leverage as time goes by, I'm assuming. You know, similar to uh, if he waits to kind of like, seems like the Clippers didn't have no leverage with signing Leonard and, and or George. Like, you already mortgaged your future with one of them or both of them. So yeah. you're going to give him the extension. If he doesn't, uh, if, 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 uh, Paul George doesn't get along with Doc Rivers, it don't matter because you're tried to him. So he moved on kind of thing. So I think with Houston, they're going to continue to lose and lose leverage as this, as this keeps festering. And then if they have to play him and then play him during the season, during the regular season, then he, they try to get a trade at the deadline. They're going to get less and less. Yeah. As, as time. The longer this drags out, you're saying the less they're going to get. Yeah, because people know they got to move them. So where does it, it's just going to be a matter of who's going to pick up the contract? Where does it fit? What do they want back? Obviously, uh, I think they've already some uh, teams have already balked at what they wanted uh, initially, and um, you know, it, obviously he's worth a lot. My my thing again, similar with the timing of this, is it's it's similar to the timing of the. Paul George, Doc Rivers, little scuffle. It's why didn't you come out with this during the the playoff run or last year? Right. And and then my second point is okay. We had his college coach Scott Perra on, and we talked about his offensive ability, which is his strength. Obviously, anybody knows that. So my thing is, if he doesn't party, does that mean he's like putting up Will Chamberlain numbers? How much better does he get? So I mean. It, I mean, does he still getting rest? I mean, I think we've had this conversation about Jordan and and the last dance. Like, does he get more a little more rest? And now he puts up fifty points a game. And and what? How much better is he gonna be? Right. I don't get. I kind of don't get some of it. I know, like. Yeah, I hear you on that because I think with this story coming out and him yeah. partying or whatever, taking having some fun between games and. Uh, whatever maybe his and then coming back and dropping 50, you know, 15 and 12, that's even more impressive than, yeah. than it was before. Now I think he's more of a gamer than yeah. I would did a week ago. Now I right. kind of knew that because I, I know a little bit of his background. He's all an LA kid. I know, I know his, his mother and I, I know his, uh, some of them, his family members. So this, this is not that shocking. And for a young man who came kind of to high school, a uh, decent athlete and he, Nobody thought he was going to be like, oh, wow, he's coming to Artesian. He's going to be a future NBA player. Right. You know, his mom's a hardworking lady. She worked, I believe, for the telephone company. And for him to kind of elevate himself as a young man growing up, you know, uh, low to middle class in terms of economy, to have, you know, Devin, $400 million in his pocket and be single, not married, like – I. What did you expect him to do? Kind of, you know, I don't get it. What this? It's like a no shit story, right? Who married? Okay. You know what I mean? He's in his a young man enjoying uh, the fruits of his labor. I guess that's just what sports is is now. Just the money's so big. I, I he has the money. God bless him. Yeah, I, I don't know well, if you know this, but his mom kind of uh, more of his manager now uh, than compared to early in his career when she retired. She be kind of helps him manage. Um, his affairs and he's obviously made a lot of money in his endorsements and a lot of money in his salary. I, I just don't know what else he's kind of going to do. Like meaning if he stops partying, does that just make him a better basketball player? Does no, like, I think maybe, I think maybe James is a guy who 
kind of is is driven by that freedom and especially especially based on the way he plays and how isolation basketball is kind of his his number one game and how he's able to you know kind of free flow the and offense and create um i think the partying or the you know freedom to kind of you know do what he wants have fun take take a little mental break maybe that that helps him and people are, I think the, the biggest correlation people are trying to draw from this, Ronnie, is the partying or the taking days off or the, uh, I guess the, um, uh, they, were, they were saying that it's a little um, disorganized or not quite as, as military as, you know, people would like it, as structured as people would like it. But maybe that's how he thrives, right? Some people cool. thrive in structure. Some people thrive in um, you know, doing things the way they want to do it. And Harden's been doing that his whole career and it's paid off for him as far as stats and all-star appearances. And the biggest stat overall is bottom line because he's getting paid a lot of money to be James Harden. So Not just that we know he has the ability from his past Devin to with Oklahoma to fit in as a, he fit in pretty good as a, the third guy. Yeah. I think, or, I think that time's over now just because yeah. of how, how big his stature has become. Correct. I don't think there's any, any he's not going back to that. He's not, going not back to that, right? But he can play in that, in that. He, he's a pretty good player. He so it's and we saw him at Artesia be very unselfish. He was an unselfish player, he didn't have to play the way he did now. So he's the, dude gets, the dude gets double digit assists, you know, yeah. half the time. So yeah. it so that, that begs the question, Ronnie. I think what the story is trying to trying to correlate is does that style um, the free flowing kind of do it, do as you want, come and go as you please style, but still drop 50, 12 and 15 in a game. Does that correlate into, you know, building a championship team? Same question we had for Giannis. What do you think? Um, Can he be the I just think their style of play is more bigger than James off court issues. Cause he seems to show up every day um, from the games I watch. He's not lagging. He's not uh, sucking gas. He's not, you know, he plays hard. He's, he's, I think it's their style of play. They've tried to win. That's been the bigger issue than him uh, maybe having a night out or leaving town for a day and coming back sure. on, a, on a jet year plane. I just well, don't. You look back. So you look back at, at, you know, Mike D'Antoni in the past and his team with, with Phoenix, they never reached the NBA finals. Correct. I think that's the bigger issue. The style the of bigger issue, time. right? Yeah. I, I don't look at it as every team has internal issues. Even that, team with that you're speaking of with Nash it was very exciting a very good team they had some issues you know um they had some issues between maybe Nash and Jason Richardson and then uh you know every team has very little issues uh some are more known and some are more pointed out than other I mean they're they're adults so um I think it's more pointed out the style of play hasn't worked so now right. where does James go well it you know it hasn't worked so. The Rockets have a new coach, Steven Silas, who knows what what kind of style he's going to have. He's a, he's a first-time NBA head coach, been a long-time assistant. He's the son of Paul Silas. I, son of Paul Silas, am I right? Or, I believe so, yes. Son of Paul Silas, who was a long-time NBA coach, you know, solid, good NBA coach. Uh, so out. I guess the question is, if the Rockets decide to be, you know, kind of hard-headed and be like, no, we're keeping you, we're not trading you. Um, and then Silas – has some kind of magic touch or they're able to build a, uh, a good team around James that he can be the centerpiece of a Western conference final or, you know, championship appearance team that obviously will make 
a huge difference in you know the the trajectory of the the his prime and then the end of his career. It's going to be interesting to see how he evolves um, as he get gets older and becomes you know uh, if he wins a title, that's great for him. But it, it, towards the end of his career, if he still doesn't have one, seeing what happens if he goes back into that Oklahoma City role where he's willing to be right. that third guy um, on a team with you know like a LeBron and AD or uh, with Giannis yeah. and. That, that, I think that's going to be the most That'll interesting. Be interesting. That's going to be the interesting of his, the end of his career. Is he going to stay on a team like Kobe where it's going to be his centerpiece and the team is kind of terrible, or is he going to adjust a bit and, like you said, go back to a little bit of the Oklahoma Roma? I don't think he'll be exactly the third piece, but you, yeah. your, your point. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. To your point, he's going to have to change his game a bit. Um, he's a great player. Uh, kudos to him. I, I, I don't. You know, him showing up and going to COVID protocol. I, I get it. You know, he can change his, he can, he can change his approach a bit, but at the end, is that the reason why they haven't won or have? I, I don't think so. Cause it seems like he's been a game day guy, you know, in terms of like, he shows up, does what he's supposed to. They play the way that, you know, they're going to play. And some people don't like that, but that's the way they've chosen to try to win. Maybe that, they have no other recourse. I, I think the bigger issue for those teams like that, uh, Milwaukee too, I'll throw them in there, is they look at the spectrum. You look at the Lakers. If the Lakers didn't have their roster, then I think teams would be like, you know what, we have a chance for this. Sure. Every team knows they had to get way better. The Rockets ain't going to be better than a- L.A. this year. Right. No, so no, I no. think that plays into it a little bit. Like, Every other contending team has to get better. I think the one team that people are like, ooh, how's this going to work? And do they have it is, is New Jersey. Yeah, Brooklyn. You really look at everybody else. They got to get better. How are they <laughs> going to beat the Lakers? The Lakers are damn near better. Right. So right. I think that's where Houston's at. Like, damn, how are we going to make this better? This ain't going to work if we're just status quo. They're, so- not gonna, they're not going to win the title that way. Ryan's so old school. He's still calling the Brooklyn Nets the New Jersey Nets. I respect it, though. <laughs> Made the yeah, yeah, they're across the they're across the bridge. Yeah, may the, may the, may the New Jersey Nets never die. And Ron, hey, I like the New Jersey Nets. Hey, I, I'm fans of the New Jersey Nets. Derek Coleman, Drazen Petrovic, yep, Danny Anderson. They had some, you know, I forgot that, but yeah, the Brooklyn Nets. Those teams were those teams were dope. The Derek Coleman, Kenny Anderson, Drazen Petrovic. Yeah, I mean, I was young I mean, for those contenders. It's, it's obviously too bad Drazen passed in a tragic accident. He was dude. That guy is, would have been a, a legend to the. And well, the, you know, the, like a, a lister legend, like he's a great player. Those New Jersey Nets teams that you just mentioned, Ronnie brings up just I don't know why it just brought up to my head the the Nets teams of the two thousands that lost to the Lakers in the finals. Do you remember? Do you just remember how Shaq like beat the living shit out of Todd McCullough? I mean, it was so bad, dude. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys want to see some uh, some really good clips of just a guy getting abused inside, just just watch some finals clips of the Lakers and Nets and just watch Shaq absolutely torch Todd McCullough. It's just like a ragdoll, dude. It's just crazy. Yeah. Real quick off the subject, because you, you're, you're talking about the Nets. I thought about yeah. Lucius Harrison and Long Beach State. Um, just what's your take real quick, you being a local guy, is really there being no D2 football options. Like Cal State oh, football, yeah. not football no more. Long Beach, now Zuzu Pacific dropped their program recently. They've been playing for 55 years or so. You know, does that just the way we're going, or do you think that's just a big bummer? Like, there's just not a lot of options for mid-tier high school players. You know, that they want to continue to play locally. Yeah, it's 
so what, um, not like 100% up on the this story, but Azusa Pacific was like the last D2 football school in California? Correct. So they're they're traveling out of state. They're traveling was very difficult. Not yeah. for every road game. They're, they're traveling out of state. The budget's not there for yeah, the field football game at a D2 school that's pretty small. Yeah, uh, yeah it just it, it's, it's, makes sense to me that this happened because it's been a long time coming, but it yeah. makes the most sense because – budget reasons uh yeah. really expensive to field a football team especially if you've got no boosters in schools like yeah like state or huge uh, boosters yeah you see irvine or uh loyola marymount they don't have they, they have boosters in other aspects of their school but they don't have boosters who are like football diehards like you'd see at yeah. sc or one of these power five schools and then the second Correct. the second thing is conferencing yeah where, where are you going to put you know, uh, Long Beach State, if they have a football team. Yeah. Like the only other Big West team that has a football team off the top of my head is UC Davis. Yeah. So then you've got to conference them with out of state. So it's just, I mean, it's just very difficult. Yeah. Uh, one part of me wishes, because I, I grew up and those teams still had football teams. Yeah. Cal State Fullerton still had a football team. Long Beach State, you know, UC Santa Barbara dropped football maybe seven or eight years before I, I attended the school. But I, I just wished all those Cal State system schools had football. Uh, wishful thinking, obviously, because I would, I want you know, if you want to continue playing football after JUCO or high school, it would be a nice option. But uh, logistically, it doesn't make sense right now, just the way we're going and where yeah. where the sport is going. So that's a bummer. But yeah, great uh, Long Beach State. You know, basketball wise, wow. You look at Lucius Harrison. Just their their top five or six guys would be really com- comparable to a lot of schools. Yeah. Very good players over the years. You post Ratliff, Olympian. We're, I was talking about this on Twitter with some guys, yeah. like non-UCLA guys in California. Even though they're quote-unquote smaller schools, they've had some really great players. You know, Doug Christie, Pepperdine, Lucius, obviously, we mentioned. Kevin Magee, you know, UC Irvine was a great All-American. Cal State, Leon Wood, our guy, Whoopi Wood's dad, was an Olympian. Like, yeah, we've had some great players at some quote-unquote secondary schools, you know. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Bowen at Cal State Fullerton is a guy I didn't see mentioned. Cedric Zabalos. Um, you look at you know Brian Russell made him yeah. made himself a really good NBA career. Um, and then pretty awesome. Yeah. Doug Christie. I mean, uh, uh, Hank Gathers. Yeah, and Bo uh, Kim. We talk about we mentioned that because William uh, the Bird Everett from Pepperdine is like one of their greatest players ever. He just recently died. He's from yeah. uh, he's from. Uh, the Midwest, Kansas City, I believe, or Kansas. And uh, he just passed away. So that's how that came up. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's uh, very interesting. Just very interesting uh, where we're going with this. I think it's, it's kind of trickled down to the college level. It's going to impact. We've said that many times. In the high school level, obviously, we've been over this. It's, it, COVID's impacted that a lot. David, let's, let's talk a little bit about what happened with the Florida-Florida State game. Okay. And how that's impacting college basketball or what impact that's going to have um you know obviously was an unfortunate incident why why don't you tell people what happened and then what where we're at with it now sure yeah there was a uh, i watched the video unfortunately it it was uh was tough to watch but uh florida guard keontae johnson he collapsed during you know towards the end of the uh, florida florida state game um rushed to the hospital was in a medically induced coma for a couple of days um but the good thing is he's showing signs of improvement now, Ronnie. He's he's conscious. Um, 
he is responding to basic commands. He's able to speak. Um, and we don't know if it's related, Ronnie, but he did pe- test positive for coronavirus, COVID-19 um, over the summer. Yeah. Who knows if those things are related? Obviously, there's a lot more information that needs to come out to make those, uh, to make, you know, that correlation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think the incident is kind of like a cause for pause for college basketball, just a kind of a, uh, 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 proceed with caution is kind of a scary thing. Right. Because, you know, obviously we don't know if it's related. We don't know if, you know, his COVID diagnosis or his, his symptoms or, uh, had any, any impact on what happened. Um, or if this is an issue that was kind of waiting to be exacerbated of something he's had for a long time. Um, so yeah, as far, as far as, you know, how college basketball should proceed. I mean, you know, me, I'm in the, I'm of the mindset that there's really, I mean, no reason to play games right now. Uh, I get the test. You're, you're, you're erring on the side of caution. which yeah, makes sense. I have been the whole time. Um, but again, they lost, you know, the NCAA lost so much money without having the NCAA tournament last year that there's no chance there's not going to be games this year. No chance. Um, and so, yeah, it's just that game, that game continued. I mean, it was toward the end, right? But the yeah, game, they, they played. That's that's. I mean, honestly, for the those those Florida guys to and Florida State guys to play through that after you know watching it, you know, happen live in front of their face, like, damn, dude, that's that's impressive stuff. That's some some mental toughness there, some mental fortitude. Yeah, but, I some people are saying they they, they were that the coaching staffs or whatever were insensitive to the issue. You know, I, it's hard to say what the right thing is, but it happened in the spur of the moment until you're there or it happens to you. You can't say exactly what you would do, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. But yeah, man, I mean, it's a scary moment and, you know, hopefully he makes a complete and, and full recovery and hope, you know, hopefully we can find out um, if that positive test or the, you know, the side effects, long-term side effects had anything to do with it or right. if they had nothing to do with it. So you can just kind of get it out of your mind. Yeah, because it's it's scary because he's a young man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's. You think he's healthy more? He's more healthy than me and you. Dude, I mean, <laughs> look at him. You look at Keontae Johnson. You're like, damn, that's like the, the ideal. Of health. That's yeah. the ideal, you know, way you want your body to look and be able to uh, operate, right? Correct. Yeah, it's, it's just it's scary because again, the same thing we we mentioned. Great players in Southern California that play college, the hand gathers is is. Um, is obviously he was a pillar, like a strength, you know, just a, a incredible specimen. And right. he was taking medicine at the time. And then he kind of, it made him drowsy. So he, he, he cut back on the doses on the dosage of, of what he was taking, whatever drug it was, he was taking. And it just, man, you, you just hope for Keontae. I just hope he lives a normal life, meaning right. like he pays his bills and, and can live till he's 70 and 80 years old. Right. Like enjoy his kids and some grandkids or something like I could care less if you played basketball. It'd be great you know? if you played basketball again, obviously, because he's an extremely talented player and was probably going to be a guy who go out in the draft when was drafted and, you know, had a chance to make a career out of uh, playing basketball professionally, whether it was in the NBA or overseas. So, yeah, I mean, scary moment, Ronnie, but it's, yeah. it's really good to hear that he is showing signs of recovery and we are, you know, sending our best wishes to Keontae Johnson and his family and, you know, the Florida and Florida State basketball communities. Um, but let's get, let's get back into 
some on-court stuff at the NBA level uh, coming from a former, you know, Southern California product, LaMelo Ball. He made his debut for the Charlotte Hornets, the number three overall pick in the 220 NBA draft. Ronnie, his debut was um, not a LaMelo-esque, you know, stat line that we were used to seeing during his time at Chino Hills or with QJZ or with the big ballers. Zero points, 10 rebounds, four assists. A couple of those assists were of the, you know, flashy variety that we're used to seeing Mello play with, you know, a little bit of flair, a little bit of IQ, you know, playing for the fans, even though there were none there. In the second game, Ronnie, he had 12 points off the bench. Um, what, what are your initial thoughts on LaMelo's first two games as an NBA player? And then I'll give you mine. Yeah, I think he's not going to be a big scorer at some point. Okay. You don't think he's going to be interesting. Like I don't, that's not what they brought him in for. I, I think he's not going to be a this big scorer, even though he can score. Like you're saying, right away or long term? Uh, right away, you know, like mostly right away. You know, if he averages 15, 16 points a game in his career, that would be great because I think he'll bring a lot, a lot of other, a lot of other things to the game. Whether you know this generalship, uh, controlling the team, uh, making you know teams guard him, you know, using eventually his size to his advantage, just being like a, a, a big time mismatch as a point guard, you know, um, obviously he's going to rebound the ball and he's going to push the ball and he's going to find the open guy. I, I, I just think the way the game is going, we're always worried about scoring, but like if he played that way, what would be the problem? You know, if they have other ample scoring, it just, he's got to average, you know, is handling the ball as much as he does. He's going to average between 12 and 15, you would think just by osmosis, but how many more do you think he should average? Do you think he's a 20-point-a-game scorer in the league? Or, like, is that what they're looking for him to do? I, I just I just don't think – well, I think what he's doing is fine so far. You know, so far, obviously, okay. we're very small sample size. Um, he does have to improve his shooting, though. And I think that's always been something that has been there as far as the scouting report and what he needs to work on as far as his weakness. He just needs to shoot a better percentage and a better – uh, uh, you know, a more disciplined shot selection. Sure. So that's yep. always been. And I think you know, I watched as much as I could of, the, of his first two games. Um, you know, don't have the the cash flow to subscribe to you know NBA TV, but able to catch some highlights in, in different ways. Um, yeah, I think you know shot selection wise, I, it, it looked like in his first two games he was taking pretty good shots. Um, but I think you're right about his early impact. You know, and something that we've always seen, Ronnie, with with Mello is playmaking. Yeah, IQ, just feel for the game. I think that's going to be kind of his his calling card as a rookie in the way that he's going to be able to get on the floor and stay on the floor because obviously he's not a great lockdown type defender. No, um, he's not improving that. Obviously, his shooting percentage needs to needs to improve, and shot selection, like you said, needs to improve. I think he's taking steps to do that. But I think the yeah I think you're right with how he's going to impact the game early on is by being a playmaker by being a setup guy uh, by being a guy who dictates pace I think he's really good at doing that just based off of feel for the game he he understands when to push you know he takes advantage of transition opportunities you know he's six seven you know they list him at six eight uh, yeah. and he showed he can rebound a little bit and you know I, I think the more freedom that he gets to be that playmaker who's, you know, on the ball the majority of the time to play make for, you know, uh, Devontae Graham or 
or Miles Bridges or any of these guys. You saw a couple connections with him and Miles Bridges on lob passes that, you know, we should probably see a lot of that this season because Bridges is such a great athlete. I think. Yeah, I mean, they, they they're going to be exciting to watch, and I just think people have to exercise patience. I just think with Mallow, people are so in tune to his every move, and they're going to. They're going to uh, hyper-dissect. I'll make up a new word, Devin. Hyper-dissect everything he does. Uh, hyper-dissect. Okay. <laughs> we, officially have to, we officially have to start the Ronnie Flores Dictionary because we got too many made up words right now. We need to start the dictionary. But I like the hyper-dissect. Yeah, it's a good. Everything's going to be like, dude, it's like, give it, you know, we're okay. He's okay. You know I mean? He hasn't shown sign that, oh, my God. Again, it's a very small sample size. Like, he's, this is not working so far. Or like. Oh my God, he's going to be a superstar in the making. Like he's kind of expect, he's kind of doing what I expect right now as a number three pick, who's sure. young, didn't spend any time in college, got untraditional uh, coaching and training, or you know that. Oh, oh, you're you're damn right about that because obviously coming up with with big ballers and QJZ, they played a a yeah. specific style. Chino Hills for his time there played that specific style of play, and then you know when when um, our our guy Dennis Lattimore took over at Chino Hills and you know, uh, kind of put in a more traditional style of play. Mello went overseas to Lithuania. So, yeah. It's, so think about that. Mello's had Bake. He's had um, Stephen Gilling. Yep. Lavar. And then a, a, a vodka drinking coach in Lithuania. <laughs> you know, like he hasn't had that much stability in sure. terms of who he's – and then he's gone back to Spire. So once he gets a little more stability, I think he's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna show in his game. He's gonna. Get, he's compared to a kid that went to you know uh, Bishop Gorman and then went to uh, you know Arizona or whatever. Arizona for four years. Yeah, it's a little bit different. He just needs a little bit of consistency and a little bit of of uh, you know whether it's tough love or whatever word you want to use. For, for him to be for for him to be as good as he is yeah. with having played such an untraditional or having an untraditional upbringing yeah. shows how crazy and off the charts his feel and IQ are for the game. I mean, honestly, yeah. a lot of it is just innate. I think, you know, it's just, yeah. innate. He just has it. I think even when he was five foot nine, you can see it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He was there and now he's just six, six, seven. So it's like, it just much that much better because he was, of- there he was five foot five. Yeah, you mentioned when he was a five five, you know, sixth grader or five nine, eighth grader. He was doing the same exact things. It's just, you know, people were so uh hell bent on, you know, uh discrediting it because of the style of play, or they didn't like Lavar, or they didn't like you know, the way that they played, whatever, whatever it was, there was a lot of discrediting locally and nationally for the way that they played. And obviously, uh, you know, the the innate ability and the it factor and the you know, IQ for the game and playmaking ability has, you know, um, outshined those question marks as far as style of play go. Um, yeah, I'm really interesting to see, really interested to see how, how Melo progresses, you know, as a rookie, I think, I think you're right in saying that he's probably a 12 to 15 point scorer as a rookie. I think maybe more towards the 12 Ronnie. Um, but I think he's in that, I think he's in that seven rebound, six assists type of mold. And, you know, he can only get better, I think, which is really scary. Um, I don't think he has a lot of quote-unquote mileage on him or like he's no. peak. He's just, you know, getting acclimated. And, and you know, we're obviously going to talk about him because our, our our listeners know him and, and follow him. But, yeah, we're, we're it's like he's had just a small sample size so far. So 
you know, let's root for him and see how he, you know, I'm sure it'll work out. And and I'm sure as he gets better, the team's going to get better. So they got a long way to go. They did a long way to go in Charlotte. Um, and LaMelo Ball is going to be an impact rookie, you know, no matter what his role is. Let's talk, Ronnie. Let's transition into our story that we recently put up on ballslife.com on Tuesday. A uh, story on each of us picked three, you know, impact rookies and explained why we picked them. Um, so go ahead and, and, and give me your three and just kind of give me a quick blurb, you know, on why you think those guys are going to be those, those impact rookies and then I'll go through mine. Yeah. Well, obviously we want to just clarify that we didn't want to just pick like the top three picks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be impactful. I mean, unless somebody just didn't do their homework and made a bad pick. So right, we, right. we really, you know, we're, we're just trying to think guys that's fit, fit well and we think, are going to have a bigger impact than maybe the position in the draft they win. So my, my guys are Isaac Okoro for the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Isaiah Stewart for the Pistons. Who I kind of mentioned in our, our draft show, I thought he was an excellent pick where, wherever he would land in uh, Jahamis Ramsey from the Kings. So obviously I'll, I'll start with the Coro. Sure. Okay. Okoro went five. Yep, which is a little bit higher than maybe we thought, but I, I think it's a, a good pick, and I because I just think he, we talk about guys and their projections and how they're going to be down the line. I just think he fits in now, um, because of his frame, uh, his energy level, and and they just need a major upgrade, Cleveland defensively on the wing and perimeter, and, and I just think he's what the doctor ordered. So I think eventually, I think he's already shown from what I've read and, and the little I've seen, he's already shown signs that he's going to get on the court. The veterans like him. And um, eventually, I think down the line, he's going to play close to for where he got picked very well, like, quote, unquote, starters minutes at some point, you know. So uh, I, I like him because what he does defensively. And I think that's not a surprise. I think people thought he was going to be uh, one of the better defensive players to come from this draft. And it, it showed so far that he is. Uh, with Isaiah, he's in a more tricky spot because of where he went and he got traded. The Blazers drafted him uh, to the Pistons. Now, the Pistons have an odd makeup uh, a bit, Devin. Uh, sure. You got Jalil Okafor and they got a few other big guys, traditional big guys. So they add Stewart. And some people were saying, well, how does he fit in? And I think it's a little bit of what we're saying with the Coral. Once he gets his opportunity, because the team's not that great, right? But once he gets a little bit of time, people are gonna he he's gonna make the most of it. He's gonna show that he's a team first player. He's gonna pick up on things fast. He's a winner. I think he's a winner. What he does translates rebounding, setting screens, being physical, uh, taking up space, uh, you know, being accountable on the floor. I think that all at his position in the draft, I think that translates. And once he gets his opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. Now, is he going to play as much as Okoro? Probably not. No, he's not. And, okay. um, you know, he, he similar to Cleveland or similar, like we're saying with Charlotte, with Mello, there's nowhere to go but up. You, you, you know, you get a, your chance. You got to make the most of it. I think he's gonna going to, and I think, you know, it'll eventually show he's a good pick. Now with Ramsey, Again, we've mentioned it in previous pods, the second rounders and, and guys who don't have guaranteed deals, they're in a tough boat this year because of the quick turnaround. They didn't get a full training yep. camp. Yep. And 
a lot of them are going to be in the G League and they're going to get very little playing time. I think uh, Ramsey's in that boat as well. He's going to spend plenty of time in the G League. But I think they made a value pick in that high second round for him. You know, um, they signed him to a three-year three-year deal with two of them guaranteed. So I think that already shows that signs that they like things about him. He can score. Uh, he shot 42% from three-point range in, in his one season at AM. I think he's a winner. Um, you know, and they think he's going to fit in where, and, and the Kings may, to, in order to improve their roster, they may make a move between now and the trade deadline. Obviously, trade deadline not anytime soon, but they, they kind of have a glut of, of players that are similar, and they might move one, and that might open up a little bit more playing time for Ramsey if and when that happens down the line. Right. I just don't think they're going to keep that same core perimeter players for long term. And if they like Ramsey, he'll eventually see a little bit of time and he'll make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like his game. I like his offensive game. And I think he's physically ready, kind of like we mentioned with um, some of the interior players, uh, you know, stored in, and and then obviously a core on the perimeter. Like they're physically ready. I think Ramsey's physically ready for the rigors of, of playing up, you know, 10 minutes or are contributing to a team that's trying to improve its stature in its, in its conference. Gotcha. And depth wise, I think that makes sense too, for, for Ramsey at that position with that, that um, team. Uh, yeah, that's my spiel with those guys. Again, are they going to be the first, are those guys going to be on the all NBA rookie team? Not necessarily. I just think they're going to do well for where they got drafted at. Sure. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of the, the, the story was not to pick the, you know, the guys who everyone knows, the the Anthony Edwards, the James Wiseman's, the right. kind of explains in depth some more guys. Um, I like Okoro because just defensively, I think he's going to be really good. Um, I, I like your pick with Stewart because he has, you know, good guys to learn from as far as Blake Griffin. Yeah. Uh, Andre Drummond is still there, I believe, right? right? Yeah, they got some big guys. Yeah, they, got some, they got some good forwards who have made, you know, really good careers in the league that Isaiah Stewart can look from. Okay, let's move to my three picks. My top pick, who was a lottery selection at number nine to the Wizards, Denny Abdija. Uh, my second pick was a mid-first-round pick, Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State. He's with the Raptors. And then my third pick was a late first-round pick, uh, Oregon point guard Peyton Pritchard, who is now with the Celtics. So let's start with Denny Abdija. Um, you know, his first game out the gates, Ronnie, was a you know, a 15-point performance, six of six shooting, three of three from three. And, you know, he showed three-level scoring ability. That's three-point line, mid-range, and, you know, behind, you know back to the basket, you know, scoring ability in the painted area. And I think just versatility-wise, skill-wise, experience-wise, playing in the EuroLeague, I think he's in a great position to, you know, earn starters minutes with a, a team that has two good guards, Westbrook and – uh, Bradley Beal, and then they have a a need for a, a scoring wing to spread the floor for a guy like Westbrook. And you know, six nine, two ten, you know, smooth stroke from three. I think FDJ is a guy who comes in and sees early minutes for a team that uh, franchise that really, you know, is kind of in a flux and maybe in a start over mode, getting getting off you know John Wall and trading him to Houston and bringing in Westbrook. Uh, I think they're looking for a new identity, and I think. Abdija fits what they do. Uh, my second pick, Malachi Flynn. You know, he reminds me of a guy who's already, you know, made a name for himself with the Raptors, uh, Fred Van Fleet, and just a guy who knows how to play the game, uh, knows how to create off the bounce, is just a, a total scorer. Um, 
has great feel, you know, creating for himself. And at the NBA level, Ronnie, you know, scorers are at a premium right now. And, yep. and Flynn is a, a confident and competitive guy. And I think that translates well to that level. And, you know, I think he fits in well with that culture, with Kyle Lowry, with Fred Van Vliet, with head coach Nick Nurse. I think he he's going to be a guy who comes off the bench and is going to be, you know, a 20 to 25-minute player and a guy who scores 12 to 15 points. Wow. If he does, if he gets 25 minutes and, and has games where, you know, he gets 10 points, 12 points, they, they got an excellent. I may, I may be crazy, but I just, I just, you know, the way that he carries himself and the way that he's able to create space and hit shots off the dribble. Uh, that's kind of the, the prototypical NBA guard that we're seeing right now. Um, yeah, because even if he gets, let's say eight or nine points, you know, every other game, like we're saying mellow ball is going to average 12. So if Malachi does that, like, and you said, I think he fits in perfect. I agree with you there. You know, those are good veterans to learn from. And Kyle Lowry's minutes are obviously going to have to be, especially in this short and off season. Yeah. You know, they, he's going to have to need a blow, especially against the weaker teams. It's a perfect opportunity. Uh, yeah. And I think many veterans are going to play less minutes this season, especially the first half of the season. Yeah. I think just the maturity that he's shown, whether it was his two seasons at Washington state or his one season where he averaged 17 points a game uh, at San Diego state and was the mountain West conference player of the year. Those things translate, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people are so enamored with the one and dones or, you know, the, yeah. the overseas young guys, but a guy like Malachi Flynn, uh, you know, he grew up in Tacoma, Washington and was kind of an overlooked prospect plays with that chip on his shoulder. And those are the kind of guys that I like, which brings me to my third pick. And I think this is kind of a match made in heaven, Ronnie with Peyton Pritchard and the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. He made his debut uh, Tuesday night with the Celtics and he had 16 points, ran the show off the bench and dude, I mean, he's just a gamer. Like you mentioned with James Harden, he's just a guy who shows up and, you know, just plays, plays hard. Um, he's going to get on the court because he's a great defender. He's tenacious. He's crafty. And, you know, he's a, he's a true point guard in every sense of the word. And he can score when he needs to, he can hit the catch and shoot three, but again, he's, he creates for others. He takes care of the basketball and he defends. Those are the three things, in my opinion, catch and shoot three, um, take care of the ball, no turnovers, and just play a high IQ style of, of, creating for others that gets, you know, point guards on the court early. And he's a, a four-year guy at Oregon, Ronnie. Um, his final season, he averaged 20 points per game uh, over his career at Oregon. He had a 2.3 to one assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. He fits a system in what Brad Stevens does. He's a guy who can come in and spell a Kemba Walker who can spell these guys for 10 to 15 minutes and really not, you know, not making drop mistakes. off. It would be not making mistakes. Yeah. Just as long as the other involved. guys are doing their their job, meaning Brown and, and Tatum, Payton's just going to do good enough to where they can steal them for 10 or 15 minutes. I kind of like to say steal minutes with yeah. your backups, and there's not much fall off, you know. Um, well, yeah, and he and shot the top guys and also because if they're doing good, then say, man, this guy deserves more playing time that kind of gets the veterans going a little bit, you know. When they're yeah. not challenged – you know, they, they already know their minutes. They're like, you know, they have, you have a tendency to be a little more relaxed in your approach or like, Hey, I could, you know, he's going to be a guy like you mentioned who pushes dudes to be better in practice. Yeah. Cause he just goes all out all the time. And you know, you he's don't want to be a fan favorite. We talked about that. And 
yeah, we, we talked thought... about it in our, our draft show and we talked about it in previous pods. It's like he just knows how to play and his style, the way he brings, he's like a throwback. And 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 the greater New England fans are just just gonna like him. Just they just like they like certain guys all the time. Whether it's you know, there's just certain guys that they they want on their team that they that they like. He, he, he like you said, he's old school. He's a throwback. Uh, he's kind of a hard hat lunch pail guy, as we like to say. But I think his offense gets slept on a little bit. Forty one point five percent from yeah. three range. He can he can really get by guys in terms of just his shiftiness. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he he's a little bit better than that than, than people probably gave him credit for over the course of his career at Oregon. Um, Dana Allman put the ball in his hands, and he, he from from right from the beginning they were coming. They had a great team when he came in. They had a very some very talented players, and he he fit right right in. And I think that's a good notion for the Celtics. Well, like he's gonna fit right in just like he did at Oregon. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, with the talented players they had, and 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 then it slowly became more of his show. So, yeah. um, one of the one of the key stats for me always, Ronnie, when I'm looking at point guards, especially backup point guards, eighty-two point one percent from the free throw line. Love that because that's a consistency guy. You can you can put in there if needed. If if someone's in foul trouble, you can bring him off the bench in crunch time, and he can go to the free throw line and make you know charity stripe shots at a high clip, and you need that. Um, you know, to be a championship team. Remember when, when Sasha Vujicic hit those, those big time free throws in the, in, in the NBA championship um, for the Lakers. I mean, you need guys who can go to the line and crunch time yeah. shots. And I think Pritchard is one of those guys. Yeah. Kareem did that too, in a, in a key game with the, in, against Detroit. I see. I, I make, I make normal comparisons, Ronnie. You you're comparing Peyton Pritchard to Kareem Abdul. I'm comparing his, his free throw <laughs> shooting. His free throw shooting percentage. Cause, you're thinking, oh, damn, this guy's 40 years old. He's shooting 72%, you know. <laughs> God dang, Kareem. I was like, I remember watching, I was like, oh, man, Kareem's going to make one of two. And he knocked both of them down. So it was just, like you said, you want guys that can knock two two free throws down in a big moment, you know. So uh, I, I do think Pritchard falls in that type of category where he's like a gamer. For sure. And and, and I like that with fit with the Celtics. I'm not sure I would like Pritchard on, on a lot of teams, but I like him on the Celtics, you know. Right. Um, so, it, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, how this plays out. Well, we'll come back, we'll revisit this and be like, man, did we, did we get some of these right or were we way off target? And obviously we didn't want to take the easy way out and just pick, you know, wise men. And, and, and as you mentioned, uh, Anthony Edwards and those type of players, cause that's it's not anything anybody wants to read. So we'll have a few more stories like that on ballslife.com as we go, maybe a little bit about the college game as well. Um, as we transition, we obviously mentioned Keontae Johnson and his unfortunate situation. And he's fortunate to be, you know, he's communicating with family members. So that's awesome. But you know, that, that takes us to the draft. Evan, let's talk about a little bit about next year's draft, yeah. meaning 221. It's always going to come up fast because yeah. it's just like the season had a, you know, the season is, is condensed. The draft's going to be condensed. You know, these two drafts are going to be like, Seven, six, seven months apart, six months apart, you know? Yeah. So it's going to happen fast. And obviously the first year players have gotten a lot of attention as they, they have been in, in recent years. Um, so what's your take so far on obviously the, the G league special team, you know, they had their first <laughs> couple scrimmages, 
they're not streamed. Uh, obviously, the games are in Walnut Creek. That's kind of where the team's based in in, in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. Nice. That's a nice little location there. Yeah. They. Uh, uh, you know, how do you take that so far, and how are you going to, you know, comp- let's say that coronavirus doesn't completely wipe out the season for college. You know, a guy like a Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, who is going to be uh, Scotty Barnes is another one down at Florida State, who's just going to be watched a lot. Their exposure is going to be high. Yeah. You know, what do you think about that? I talked to somebody who's kind of like, you know, pretty close to Jenny Green. He's like, man, you know, I, I just think Kate is Kate's just getting the the proper, like, exposure oh, right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, is there even a player that's being talked more about in college than him? You know, no. Like, I mean, Luca Garza from, from Iowa. Just because Garza of, from yeah, Iowa. just because of his uh, – that's stat lines, which are absurd, but yeah, you know, comparing kind of the exposure uh, from the college level to the NBA G League Ignite program that that Jalen Green and and uh, Jonathan Kuminga and Isaiah Todd are a part of, and a couple other guys as well. Yeah, I mean, Cade Cunningham's, the Evan Mobley's, the Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Zaire Williams, they're getting much more exposure right now than the G League pathway program is. And, you know, I, I guess it, this isn't the perfect year to really, you know, uh, dissect, hyper-dissect, uh, as I pulled from the Ronnie Dictionary, yeah. hyper-dissect the G League pathway program and its impact sure. because th- who are they going to play against? They're scrimmaging, yeah, nothing's normal. With, they're scrimmaging a team with Bryce Alford and it's not streamed. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. They got, they got Amir Johnson and, and Bobby Brown, two guys who were born, you know, Bobby Brown was born three years before me and Amir Johnson, not long after me playing Those with, were born after me, just playing with, the- yeah, <laughs> playing with these, these young dudes. I mean, it's just honestly like, that's great because those are two guys who kind of can show you the ropes, the ropes. And around, yeah. you know what I mean? So that, that makes sense. But dude, um, just it's random. Yeah. It's really random, and the team they played against is really random. I know they had a lot of um, uh, grandiose plans on they're going to play an international schedule, and COVID nineteen is obvious. The thing I've, I've been hearing about that team is that yeah. they're trying to get into like a bubble type situation. Okay, but certain NBA teams, it's a you have to pay. You know, yeah, you, you have to be to be involved. The, the franchise has to pay, and certain franchises are like, we don't want to fit that bill right now, but again, because of COVID or because you know, we, we're not going to, in other words, why would the Lakers or the Heat really worry about that pathway team? They're not going to be in position to pick those guys. Jalen Green's not drafted for the Lakers. So what do they that. care? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to be drafting, looking for the next Peyton Pritchard or, or Malachi Flynn. So certain teams may have more interest than others, obviously. Yeah. You know, And so they got to find opponents, like you said. And every team's like, Especially for this year, maybe in another year, maybe all thirty teams will be like, "We're in, we're all in." This makes sense, but this year is more like, eh, you yeah, know, it's tough. it's tough for those guys. I mean, obviously, uh, Jalen Green is probably the one who will not be impacted as much by the lack of exposure, sure, uh, because I think he's in that you know top five conversation, regardless. Regardless, yeah, regardless. Um, it's out. But if they it, here's my here's another thing that comes to my mind is if guys like green or Todd or, um, you know, Dacian Knicks or any of these guys knew that the exposure was going to be, you know, this small at this time. Um, 
would they have chosen to go overseas? Would they have chosen to go to college? Uh, for me, that's a question that that's going to be answered long-term. And, you know, unfortunately for those guys, you know, the, I mean, obviously those guys are obviously very talented and I think they're all going to uh, sniff the NBA at some point, whether it's, you know, a high draft pick, a, a late first round draft pick or whatever it may be, they're going to have their chance to, to sniff the NBA. But, but man, you look at what, you know, the, the exposure Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley are getting on Twitter and, you know, on TV and all that. I mean, that that's, that's helping their draft stock. And I don't think that the G League pathway program guys have helped their draft stock compared to when they, you know, announced that they were going to take that path. Correct. I agree with you. And we'll see how that plays out. Obviously I think they're getting some good input and maybe how to deal with themselves like a pro. They're not worried about the academic angle. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're being around, they're being around some guys that have been in the NBA and are played in the NBA. So I think that part is good, but as far as, like you said, the game and exposure and film, like that's what we've been talking about a lot, whether it's with the D2 player or a guy where he's trying to pick his way, especially with this 221 class, you need film. Or if you, in this COVID time, you need film. Yeah. So if you're, especially if you're Jonathan Kaminga, I think, because yeah. it's just, he didn't even, he played like 15 games last year for the Patrick School. Right. So if you, if you know Jonathan Kaminga, you're kind of unless you saw him maybe at the Fantastic Four or one of the other grassroots events he played in the last year and a half, you kind of know what he did a while ago. Like it's been a while. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So you want like like any other play, you want fresh film. You know, that's 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 normal in COVID time. You want, hey man, where's the latest film? So with a guy like Cade Cunningham or Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley, you're gonna you're it's gonna be plentiful. They got they got real film because yeah. Yeah. you can't you can't send a G league scrimmage against a team with, you know, a bunch of borderline overseas guys and send like an NBA. Can an NBA team evaluate off that? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, if I was an quote unquote NBA scout, uh, but they yeah, I have no other option. They may have no other option right now. They may they, have, yeah, they may have another option. And, and, and then, and then to their advantage, the G league team can hopefully play teams later than a college team can. Like maybe they can still be playing in, April and you know, you. You know yeah. maybe, maybe there's a way they can play a few more games, play a professional team, a team from another league, guys that come back from overseas. They, they, they're going to have to try to figure something out. So. I think what they should have done, Ronnie, is just throwing these guys into the NBA preseason. Just throw them in there as a team. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? I mean, they're part of the NBA. What could it hurt? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let them lose uh, to an NBA franchise. Uh, you get to see what they're team by twenty. But it would have. But the real. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd love to see. <laughs> right. I'd love to see. You know, yeah. Jonathan Kaminga guarding. You know, Jason LeBron. Tatum for a couple games or something. Anybody, like anybody. I don't, get, I don't care who it is. Have them go against Sacramento. Like, is Sacramento any more of a of a NBA team than the G League pathway team? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. There's there's a lot of way to skin the cat. So. Um, we're, we're going to be watching that. And obviously all of basketball is going to be watching how that plays out. And I'm sure there's plenty of 221 and 22 prospects, mostly 22s that are probably thinking that how's this going to work? Especially like, uh, we see our guy from Imani Bates from Esplancy, Michigan, who plays in the FC prep team. He hasn't really had a min- that many games. Yeah. He's definitely played three or four games. Like in other words, he's, and that's what I kind of mentioned with people when they when they have a a um, when they have a 
prep team or a, a independent team that's not part of an association, it's not always easy to get games. Yep. He's not going to have 30 games with that team this year, especially, no. especially this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Is, is, is this former high school Lincoln, are they playing or, is, or are they shut down? Uh, Michigan just hasn't started yet, but okay. I, I think Lincoln's going to play more games than they are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's very interesting because um, that's one thing like a Finley prep here in, in, in Nevada, what is always like, a little bit of their quandary you have funds you got to raise funds to travel and obviously you want to play the best teams you can but you can't travel every single game so you're going to play impact or um a local team five or six times that's what end up happening they end up playing impact many times in one year and that's not necessarily what they wanted but you can't travel for every single game you don't have you know you got to make some where you can play three in a row or four in a row in a city it just makes a lot more financial sense and that's what's going to happen with that prep team and it's very interesting we're talking about those prep teams and the finley team uh give a we're switched transition to high school the clark county unified school district which serves las vegas the las vegas valley which is by far the biggest area in nevada you know tenfold um they've canceled their winter sports season so basketball's off the shelf so um we obviously know Jaden Hart. He's one of the best players in the country. He's probably a guy, like you mentioned, that's really going to be watching that G League pathway, see how that goes. He's one, probably the number one player that's going to be watching that mm-hmm. in terms of the 221 class. Um, they don't have a high school season no more. So they're out. Uh, Desert Pines had a good team. As we as we know, Devin, uh, Liberty had a very good team. So those are three public schools that are out, and that means they're also out of my Fab 50 because they're not going to play any games or any sanctioned games. And then Bishop Gorman is part of the Diocese of, I guess, Southern Nevada. I don't know the exact uh, proper name for it, but they technically could have had a season. They weren't under those bylaws of the necessarily of the Clark County Unified, but they looked at it as what opponents do we have? Kind of like we're saying, were they going to travel across – Country every game, they it, it wasn't feasible for them, so they opted out. So Gorman is opted out of the season. Obviously, they they started very high in the Fab Fifty. They were going to have they're going for their tenth straight state title. Yeah. They had a good roster with guys like Will McClendon, um, Zayon Collins, and and a few other guys. AJ Store that came from Illinois, but they're they, that team is not playing. So some of those guys have joined a, a, a quasi travel team to hopefully play some games this winter. It's kind of like a Finley prep type team. They're called themselves the Pilots. They played in Arizona last weekend, and they're going to they play in St. George, Utah this weekend, upcoming weekend, and they're they're trying to get a schedule together to allow their guys to play games because some of them need it. You know, obviously, Zayon Collins is going to UNLV. Will McClendon is committed to UCLA. They don't quote unquote need games, but it's nice for them to get games. They want to play. I think the only guy in that group and no. Very few players in 221 that don't need a player like Jaden Hardy. He doesn't necessarily need to play. But almost every other kid wants to play and needs to play. So very interesting situation. So they've been removed with Fab 50. They've been replaced by other teams, and hopefully those teams get their season on. Um, there's about 20 to 25 states that are playing. Many states are scheduled to start practice and get going on January 4th, which is kind of like the first Monday of, of the new year in 221. So 
that's kind of where that stands, Devin. It's it's still hit or miss a bit. We have a lot of teams have already canceled games. La Lamir hasn't been able to play games. They've had a, a COVID-19 issue, whether it's with their personnel or on campus. So they, they're on, they were unable to play their first three games. Uh, Oak Hill Academy, where Keontae Johnson went, you know, hopefully Keontae gets better. But o- Oak Hill Academy uh, just took December off because they have strict COVID protocols. So instead of bringing just the, the 15 or 12 guys on their roster back to campus, they just join the rest of the campus and are going to take that winner off. And they're going to start up on January 7th. They've already played seven games. So everybody's in a different boat. Number one, Fat 50, number one, Montverde's played four games. They have a tournament this weekend, but there's no fans and there's no media. So everybody's kind of in a different boat. So all of the stuff that you just said, you know, kind of sparked an idea in my head, Ronnie. You know I'm an idea guy. Uh, don't always follow through with all my crazy stuff, but here's a crazy idea. The Ballas Life Bubble, okay? Yes. Here, here's, what we're, here's what I'm thinking. We have the G League Pathway Program, right? Come down to Fountain Valley High School, right across the street from my apartment. We, yeah, that's we, the key, right across the street from yep, your I can walk there in about five minutes. And then we bring in all the big non-state associated uh, travel teams or club teams or prep teams. So we got Montverde, yeah. Oak Hill. Um, we bring in, you know, uh, Arizona Compass Prep, uh, Dream City Christian, Bella Vista, Prolific Prep. Hillcrest. Uh, Hillcrest, uh, Yipsy Prep with Imani Bates. And we just have a Ball's Life bubble across the street from my apartment. And we live stream it. Um, we have NBA scouts in the building. Uh, but I think the key that we need, Ronnie, the thing that we need to get this to go off is we need an NBA testing protocol kind of budget so that we can have uh, our own little bubble here in Fountain Valley. Um, maybe I can convince my apartment complex to kind of rent out units to, to us that are empty. And and house some players in there. Maybe we have you know six guys to a two bedroom unit, <laughs> and we just we just get the bubble running. We get a bubble going off. What do you think? Can we get that done? That's a very enticing okay. thing. And Rodriguez on line. Maybe yeah, we can bring Rodriguez. And it's like to follow up on that. It's pretty funny because I, I we've discussed it a little bit, but we haven't gotten to detail in it. Well, hopefully we get a guest on. Um, Eight of Nike affiliated teams are going to be in a bubble, and many of the, and them are in the, the the teams you mentioned at the top of the rankings: Montverde, La Lamere, Sunrise Christian. They're going to two or three stops where, and they're joining the league, and and they're going to be playing each other. And like you said, they're going to have some testing. They're working out the details, and they're trying to do exactly what you're what you're saying. Why are they trying? Why are they trying to steal my idea, Ronnie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the point, and that's when Oak Hill is supposed to be getting back to playing. Is January seventh? Right. They're supposed to be playing in, in in at least up two or three stops with the kind of quote unquote a championship weekend in Indiana in, in the second week of March. And like I said, we'll get more details as as it comes out. To for them to play in a safe environment and for them to play high level games, kind of like you said, that everybody wants to play in an ideally because so far, Devin, we're all over the board. Oh, yeah. in, 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 in Richmond, again, it's not the Virginia VHSL, the Virginia High School League, which is the public league, but the Richmond County Schools or the Richmond Public Schools in Richmond, Virginia, opt out of the winter season. So our guys, John Marshall of Richmond, was going to have a great team. They're, they were Fat 50 ranked high leaders beginning the season. They're not going to have a season. So it, so if our, if our listeners don't know, 
the school districts don't decide whether the teams are going to play or not. It's the school districts that do. So certain school districts do play, are decided to try to go forward in a safe manner, and others have not. They said, nope, it's not. We're not taking that risk. We're shutting it down. So I want to be clear that, like, in Nevada, the NIA, the Nevada Interscholastic Athletic Association, is still continuing their season, but Clark County has opted out. So I want people to be aware that the same thing could happen in California, where CIF is coming out with protocols to play, and it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back because of the of the tier level we are with COVID. But it doesn't mean a school district can't just say, you know what, we're not doing it. Well, I think similar to the community college school district in California. That point, um, Ronnie, you think uh, Gary McKnight, the longtime modern day head coach, had mentioned that if there is nothing, you know, no, no, you know, people opt out or whatever it may be, he, you know, he's considering starting an Orange County league. I'm not sure which Orange County teams would want to be in a league with modern day who has. Sure. And dominated the area, dominated the area for a long time, for like forty years now. But he's planning on that. And then, um, for for our listeners who don't know, uh, I'm an assistant coach at Fullerton Junior College, and uh, for the men's basketball program. And we, our our administration, recently opted out of playing in the the San Diego area teams. Also opted out of playing this season. So um, yeah, that San Diego Mesa, San Diego City College, Southwestern, right, Miramar. Um, and th- so basically at the, the junior college and, and high school levels, I mean, really individual districts, individual programs, individual administrations can say, hey, we're not playing. We're not playing. We're just yep. going to cut our losses this season and not play. And I, I, that happened on the girls' side, I believe, with Cal State Northridge. Yeah, they, yeah, they opted out. A lot of their team, a lot of their players were overseas. They couldn't get back in. Yeah, they, just, they couldn't fulfill the roster, correct? Yeah. yeah. So everybody's in a different boat, so – Again, like I said, we got about forty uh, percent of the team, uh, you know, schools that are can be in the Fat Fifty playing across the country, and then some of the schools that aren't playing. Devin, uh, we got to mention this before we go, but I seen video in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has started. Um, they're playing with mask on, and then I see the fans are sitting like sardines. I just, I, I just don't understand what we're doing. I don't, I don't understand what the hell we're doing. The fans are sitting close by. They're hooting and hollering like a game, but the, they don't. They seem to have masks on, kind of probably under their nose. But the players are freaking wearing masks while they're playing. I just, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I've heard other states want the mask mandate. Then they, then they rescind it. You got to go look at our Fab Fifty. Uh, read the intro. I kind of break it down in, in detail, but it's, it's kind of a little bit of a mess. I mean, what's your take on playing with the mask, Devin? It's just, you I know, mean, we, we, we worried about. Children's safety, you know, these are not professionals. Uh, we're, you know, obviously, I don't want to make any correlation, but I, I got to mention the thing with Keontae Johnson. You see what, you know, hopefully he recovers. And, and like I said, hopefully he lives a normal life. But how about if we don't know all the details of what COVID can do to somebody and we have kids who can are having a hard time breathing and wearing masks playing basketball? <laughs> I just don't oh, know yeah. what we're doing. Oh, yeah. For, to that point. Um, yeah, I, I, as you know, I've canceled multiple events uh, because the only way that I would hold an event is literally everyone six feet apart. Obviously, that doesn't yeah. work for basketball. Uh, everyone wearing masks, um, having it outdoors. And just those things don't correlate to having a, um, they don't all come together to have a, 
a good um, environment to play basketball. Environment just to play, just to play basketball. So my, my, it's either, it's kind of why we are still debating this topic, Ronnie, and why COVID is still present in our society is because no one can get on the same page on how to, how to no. do it. California is still trying to figure out what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And, and Wisconsin is going playing with mass. It's just like we're all over the place. I think for me with California, that with what I respect what the CIF is doing is they're following the science, they're following the CDC, they're following their public health department, and they're not just jumping in and do like, you know, having it one way and then, oh, this isn't working. We had a COVID outbreak here. Let's everyone wear masks and the players wear masks, but fans can be sitting, you know, yeah. packed in like sardines, like you said. It's just, here's the thing, dude. If you want to have a season and the, the safest way to do it is no fans uh, and have the kids come in and play with masks yeah. on <laughs> straight up. Like, Honestly, um, the country's starting to get some uh, essential workers and quote unquote uh, essential workers are starting to get some vaccine. We'll see how that goes. Um, that's a, a positive sign. I, you know, take it for what it is. You know, there's some positivity coming. It's been a long uh, few weeks. It's been a long time. Obviously. It's been a long. It's been a long nine months, man. Yeah, it's been a long nine months. But even <laughs> since you know, just putting out the preseason rankings, not knowing how many events got canceled since then, getting started with college basketball, the NBA with their quick turnaround, and and uh, high school kind of being all over the place because again, it's similar to our political stance in this country where every state's all over various stance and all over the place, you know, we're, we're going full steam ahead in Florida, but in Wisconsin and in Texas, you know, some good teams in Texas have already played upwards of eight to 10 games, but in California, we're like barely deciding what we're going to do with football. So uh, that's kind of where we are. And it's just going to be, when we look back and it, it's going to be, uh, we're going to look back and say, wow, like you said, certain organizations really took the right steps for this. And, and some people are probably going to wish they took various different steps. Oh yeah. When they look back and see what they did. Um, you know, this is the part where I'm going to lay low for the most part. I've been to a couple events in the fall, did see some good basketball. I was able to, you know, luckily and fortunate enough to see it. As far as I know, you know, I'm lucky and fortunate enough that nothing's happened physically to me or anybody I know that was at that event or at those particular events. And I think for me now, this is going to be the time period for maybe three weeks a month where I'm really going to lay low just because it's cold. I know, you know, me, Devin, I had that thing about it being cold and, and, and normally we'd be at, 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 at events like Tarkanian and Damien. And just for me at this point, I'm going to lay low. Yeah, you, If you need any tips on how to lay low, man, let me know because I've been doing that for about nine months now. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to continue to lay low and kind of just, you know, do what I've been doing the, this whole time. And, um, Hopefully, man, I haven't been like we like we mentioned. I haven't been in the gym since early March, and it's tough. But I've been watching on Baller TV, other streaming services, and and there's ways around it, man. There's ways around it. Yeah, we're living and we're healthy, and and we're continuing, and we'll continue to have this pod as long as Ball's life will be. You know, we're we're grateful to be uh, sponsored by them, and 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 keeping it going, and and doing you know try to help people whether it's get information about basketball out there or help players take the right steps to get to where they want in their career. For sure. Yep. And it, it, we, we appreciate not only Ball's Life for, for employing us and, and letting us uh, rant on this podcast each and every week, but we appreciate you guys tuning in with us here on the In The Paint Show. Make sure you hit us up on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like and subscribe. You can search the In The Paint Show or the Ball's Life Podcast Network. 
uh, on any of those platforms and we are there. Make sure you stop by ballslife.com to check out our latest content pieces, whether it's our written stuff on the NBA in college or our video stuff that our team puts out um, of the highlights that are available, with the games that are available that we can get out and shoot. Um, but yeah, and, and make sure you go to shop.ballslife.com as well and cop the latest gear. Uh, we've got some new drops there, whether it's our t-shirts, hoodies, or backpacks, socks, whatever you need, we got it. Um, but until next week, that'll do it for episode number 90. And Ron and Dev are signing off.